Okay, and welcome to the first ever podcast of I Don't Noah. This I just have to keep, I have to talk. I can't edit and make myself look good. So you hear and see every mistake. But there's not going to be a lot of mistakes. And today we have a really awesome guest to start. Her name is, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but you'll see in a minute. She's amazing. Stay tuned. Here we go. here on I Don't Know, we have someone truly special. She is a sports reporter, news reporter, former Division One athlete, youth soccer coach, model actress, author, motivational speaker, advocate of diversity and women in sports, Eagles fan, Jersey born, Philly raised, probably a real life superhero, the wonderful, talented, brilliant Renee Washington. Holy smokes, what an <laughs> intro. I love that. I love the advocate part, but that was that was incredible. Real life superhero, no. That I was just me, assuming thank just, you. that was awesome. Just based off the rest <laughs> of the resume, I'm sure that was in there somewhere. Oh, awesome. Well, th- well thank you day. for joining me. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm excited. I appreciate it, Noah. Yeah, of course. So let's just what are you up to right now? Because I know there's a bunch of stuff on that list. I probably missed some too. What are your life looking like right now? Yeah, so I do have a lot going on. I wear many hats, that's for sure. Um, I think. The biggest things I have, well, not I think, that's that's sad to say, but the biggest things I have going on right now, um, youth coaching, sports reporting, of course, the union aren't, pl- they're not in season right now, so um, although they're kicking off in April, it's just kind of like off-season stuff going on. Um, for ESPN, I've been doing college games, so Temple has been the biggest uh, school I've been working with right now since Princeton Ivy League Sports decided to shut things down. Um, and then for Fox Sports, the coverage for my show, the coverage for the Wizards and Mystics continues. Um, I still have a lot of things going on. Modeling's always going on. So yeah, it's been it's been a lot. <laughs> and I knew, so you grew up just across the river in Columbus, New Jersey. Are you still in that area or where do you, I did my research. <laughs> yeah, you did your research. Nobody even, uh, as soon as you said Columbus, I'm like, you clearly have looked. Um, but no, I'm actually in the Cherry Hill area. So I'm South Jersey, but my family still lives in like throughout Columbus and everything. So still in, in Jersey, proud to say. And so what was, uh, as a, so I'm, I know you're a huge Eagles fan. What was the sports fandom like growing up in that area of Jersey? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I come from a very big sports family in general. So that's the big reason why I am so heavily involved in sports as a player and have always been involved in sports now and, and the reporting side coaching side sports are my like that is my family you know I when you talk about family dinners family memories family vacations at the core of all of it was always something to do with sports whether playing watching whatever it may be so I grew up I see you've got the Sixers banner in the background I grew mm-hmm. up going to Sixers games we're season ticket holders going to Eagles games um through and through true Philly sports fan. I am a LeBron James fan for basketball, but I still, I still love the Sixers. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But, um, you know, I think it's just been great for me having a chance to grow up in this area and now work in this area from the reporting side to still be able to be so involved in Philly sports. So it's, it's awesome. I mean, of course it could have been better this past season with the Eagles. (laughs) Um, 
and this offseason has been a lot. So I'm hoping that between moving Carson, moving, you know, the fire or the mutually parting ways or firing of Doug Peterson, whatever politically correct term you want to use. Hopefully these things all come together because it's definitely uh, exhausting being an, a Philly sports fan with the roller coaster ride that Absolutely. we are often on. <laughs> I want to get into the mess that is the Eagles in a second, but before we get there, I want to talk about, let's talk in when it was the good old days with the Eagles, February of 2018. <laughs> you are covering local sports in Bucks County, my county where I grew up. You're in Ben Salem High School, yet the Eagles just won their first Super Bowl. You're doing a basketball report. You pull out your Eagles hat because you're oozing with pride about your Philadelphia Super Bowl winning champion Eagles. Tell me about that day. First of all, I, you, when you said you did research, you're not kidding. Where did you find that? Where did you? I've got questions. It's, it's all out there in the interwebs. It's there. It definitely it's is out there. there. Definitely. I always jokingly t- uh, tell people, I'm like, you, I have so many pictures, videos, interviews all over Google, but I don't think anybody's ever found that one. Um, yeah, we were doing, oh, game on. Uh, what Bucks County, we were. Courier Times, right? Bucks County Courier Times, we were at. Yeah, it would have been Ben Salem. I, I remember that day like it was yesterday because I was so excited coming in. One of our, um, like the cameraman for the show, was he's not an Eagles fan. He's a Pittsburgh sports fan. So he's a big like Steelers fan and everything. Mm. And we were going back and forth about the Eagles. And I just remember being so excited, like pulling into that parking lot because I was finally able to like talk junk about it openly. I had been throughout the show, like dropping in little Eagles things here and there, wherever. Cause I always like to integrate where it's possibly professional to integrate some of my own personal feelings so I was, of course, adding in like, oh, yeah, the Eagles, hopefully they'll do like the Eagles. You know, I was dropping in nuggets. So once they actually won the Super Bowl, I think me, like most people, I was still on that Super Bowl high of like, did this Absolutely. really just happen? You know, watching it play out. And I, that that entire, I would say that like probably that year, I still am on that Super Bowl high. But definitely that day, I was so excited to be able to have a chance to just like proudly I was chanting I, I guess you saw it uh, I was all into it so it was it was really cool to be able to have that moment um, just to be able to celebrate the Eagles and bring it into my profession in a way so that was awesome wow what a throwback <laughs> yeah oh I mean I give you props for even keeping it professional and doing doing that broadcast that day because during you. that time I was the nothing else mattered to me I, I came <laughs> home from I was I was up at school at Penn State I drove home for the game, for the parade. I, I forgot about school for a week because that wasn't, oh, yeah. didn't matter at that point. It was the Eagles were winning the Super Bowl. I actually so. went into Philly that night when they won, and that was awesome. That was also something I will never forget. I mean, I live like right over the bridge. So as soon as they won, like my sister and I drove into Philly. We just parked somewhere random. We just were walking <laughs> the streets with everybody else. It was an awesome, awesome feeling. And like you said, it was just like that week, at least definitely more than that. It was kind of like nothing else mattered because we were Super Bowl champs. Yeah, it was overwhelming. I yeah, I think I stayed at a friend's apartment in Temple that night. Stormed down Broad Street. Yep. It was the energy was it was the purest, happiest I've ever seen thousands of people. Mm-hmm. There was cops and you know people were hugging each other. It was just it was insane. It was. So, those were the good old days. <laughs> Speaking of the Eagles, so just give me your your initial reactions and thoughts to the Wench trade and the Doug mutual parting ways and firing. There was a firing. It was firing. Um, You know, I think that I was very surprised by, I was not surprised at all when the news broke about Doug because I was expecting that. I definitely 
felt like with the way that the Eagles played this past season, although for many they're confused because we did just win a Super Bowl in 2018, but to see where the team went from in 2018 to now, you, that's unacceptable. And more than that, that final game when the Eagles lost to Washington, I think that was like, that was it. He sealed his ticket at that point because it was kind of the moment you lost your locker room. I know as a fan was like, you don't do that as a competitor. I don't care if you're out of it. I don't care if you know you're not going to make the playoffs, which they still actually had a chance of making. You don't throw games away ever. Now, if they were getting blown out and it was like a 30 plus point game, you bring some other players in, that's fine. But that close in the game, that point in the season against a division rival with so much on the line, you don't do that. So I, I, as a competitor, I lost Doug Peterson then. And I think that he was gone at that moment. Now for Carson Wentz, the thing that was odd was everything over the last couple of years, even going back to when Nick Foles was sent to Chicago, it was made that made note of that Carson was going to be our quarterback going forward. Carson Wentz inked a major contract. Then they turned around and drafted Jalen Hurts and the second with their second pick in the draft. So then we're going through the season. Of course, the Eagles did not play well. Carson was a, was a part of that. I will not say that he's not to blame at all. But even once they brought Jalen Hurts in, it still never seems like they were fully sold, you know, sold with either of them being the starting quarterback, especially when we heard news that throughout the course of the coaching hiring process, they were looking for a coach, which is why they apparently brought in Nick Sirianni, that would be able to fix Carson. But then you turn around and you move Carson. And so I was surprised by that, but I do think there's it's telling that there's more to it that we really don't know. And Doug's statements about feeling like a puppet and everything, I feel like there's more behind the scenes that Howie and, and you know, Jeff and all the people that are in the front office have going on that we really don't understand. So I think we're going to hear about it one day and Carson's like 30 for 30 or whatever <laughs> special comes out. But I'm pretty sure much like with the Texans, I'm getting the vibe that there's something going on there, especially once I heard Jalen Hurts saying he was considering sitting out a year. It just was odd to me that for him coming off of a, what was a great end of his rookie season and then turn around and say he doesn't want to play next season makes you think mentally what's going on in Philly. So there's definitely I'm still a little confused. I'm unsure what's going to be next. You know, I really don't think that was a great trade in the first place. I mean, two draft picks for Carson. He's, he's still young. He still has a lot of potential. That trade didn't make sense in itself. And the irony is there was a fake tweet that went out that I know I was a victim of reporting as well about a, a trade with the Bears saying that the, the Eagles were going to trade Carson, two draft picks, that are going to trade Carson and get two draft picks at Nick Foles. And people are like, that's an awful trade. Well, they actually got less than that. They had a worse trade. trade. <laughs> they actually got less than that. I would take Nick Foles in that deal. So I'm very confused because it just doesn't, none of this really makes sense to me. But all I know is that if they don't get it right this year, I will be right down there protesting. So <laughs> no, you're exactly the right. Is out there. None of it makes sense. It's all confusing. It all is, is angering. It makes me kind of just mad thinking about it. And I will just to go back to that last game with Doug Peterson. And I, I agree. You never want to see a team lose like that on purpose, but I do think that if Nate Sudfeld wasn't so astronomically bad that game, it wouldn't have been talked about. Like he came in and just threw a good point. Through picks like he didn't even it didn't even look like he was trying if he was like a little more confident you could have said oh we want to rest Jalen this you know we'll save him for next season so I think that that added on to that but all the moves that they've been doing it doesn't make sense getting two two draft picks for Carson Wentz 
that drives me nuts. His, his trade value was as low as it was ever going to be. I feel like they kind of forced a trade that didn't, didn't need to be there. Right. I, they still could have given this offseason or this preseason, let Jalen and Wentz battle it out, maybe wait till midseason, trade Wentz if they don't want him as a starter. None of it makes sense, but I think you're right. There is something deeper. The locker room stuff is out there. That's kind of misleading based on what source you're talking to. But I think it's deep. I think the problem lies with Howie Roseman. I've never been an, a big fire the GM every time something goes wrong type of guy, but it's been a, this isn't his first, you know, misstep. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, you think about the player that the Eagles could have had over the years um, that we've passed up on. It's, it's sad. I mean, going back to this past year, I mean, I guess we don't need Justin Jefferson. I mean, I guess he didn't have an all like a franchise historic <laughs> season and the numbers that he was putting up each game. We didn't need that. No. I mean, it's, and then you go back and I think about players like DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, like over the years, the players that we've missed on that were available in the draft. And I get it. The draft is hard because you really have no idea how a player is going to make that transition into the pro level, you know, college to pros, is, that's a huge, huge jump. But when there's a player that's coming in, that's expected to be a top player and is coming out of a program like LSU, you know, you kind of think you can take your chances there. So, I mean, that's CeeDee Lamb. Like you think about the, the names and the moves that could have been made over the years. This, this past draft, of course, is the most prominent and most in your, you know, uh, recent memory because it just happened. But that's where my concern is. It doesn't matter who the Eagles have or what pick they have. That's what people are saying. Well, now they'll get a, a better draft pick by losing to Washington in that last game. Does it really matter though? Because the Eagles have had opportunities to pick up big players and don't. Like this past year in a wide receiver heavy draft, I like Jalen Rager. I think he's a great player, but how do you not get more? How do you not? I mean, the offensive line as a whole has been injury bitten, has been older in their career, I should say. How do you not draft or bring in any players in the offseason to, to patch those spots up. So I, yeah, I agree. It's, I don't like to, I don't like to put all blame on one person, but it's time for a change. It almost seems like he and the organization and everyone in the scouting department outsmarts themselves in the draft. It seems obviously even as a reporter or a fan, you only know so much, but some things seem kind of obvious. Like there's all this talent at the draft. Justin Jefferson's probably going to fall to us. He seems like the most talented on the board. You took Rager. You wanted to speak. guy. I'm sure he's going to be great but it, it seems like you're overthinking it and then hurts the next yeah. round. It, it seems they're stepping too far ahead of themselves and then almost tumbling on their own feet. I think it's too much of trying to go for the underdogs. And while I feel like the Eagles, of course they carried the mantra of being an underdog, especially in the Super Bowl run. Why not go with the short thing, you know? And, and again, it's no knock on like Jalen Rager, for example, because I think he's a great player, but he's not Justin Jefferson, you know, it's just, when you take these consistent chances, it's going to come back to hurt you eventually, because as you mentioned, it's not a team where you have a solid core where if the player doesn't pan out well, you still have other players. You're kind of depending on someone to come in. You know, I mean, you look at Deshaun Jackson, he's out, you know, that all these, these changes, I don't know about what's, you know, Ertz. I have no idea what's going to happen with him. He doesn't seem like he's happy at all. There's just so many different moving parts, but at the core of it, like we're saying, it just seems like there's more to it that we don't know that is slowly coming out much like it with Houston, to be honest, I hate to compare the Eagles to the Texans, but I'm getting similar vibes. There's, there's similar issues that we could talk Eagles all day, but just to sum up, what are your hopes for Jalen hurts for this next season? 
Well, I'm again, I'm a little concerned by him saying he doesn't want to play next year. Um, you know, even if he decides to play, it just makes you wonder mentally. I would think after the rookie season, the ending to the rookie season he had, he should be pumped up and excited for next year and looking forward to coming in and like kind of continuing where he left off. So I'm a little concerned by that. But, you know, I do think something that I've always said is I do think it's more than just the quarterback. And a lot of us, as I'm seeing news around Cam Newton and all these different things going on, a lot of people are quick to blame quarterbacks, just like they're quick to blame, you know, the best player on a, on a team um, in any sport. I get that. But with 11 guys on the field, with team special sport. teams, defense, offense, it's not just on the quarterback. We just watched the defense win the Super Bowl for Tampa Bay. You know, it's more than just having the best quarterback on the field. So for Jalen Hurts, yes, that's I think he's a great player, but so was Carson Wentz with Philly. So, you know, you look over the years, it, the, the issue always comes down to the fact that there are not enough pieces around the quarterback in Philly that we always have two, three years down the line, a quarterback fizzles out because they're mentally and physically drained. Carson Wentz, the injuries he had, you know, there's just so many issues going on. Look at where he was in 2018 to now. You know, he's not that same player. And it's and he should have been, he was moving forward in direction. I mean, the passes he was making under pressure, running out of the pocket, everything he was doing was like, whoa, it was, it was awesome. But he's dropped off because year after year, there have not been the right pieces around him. And you can only at some point it's gonna things are gonna fall apart. So I do think for Jalen Hurts, it's it's a matter of how will Howie and how will the front office do of putting healthy talented pieces around him you can't continue to have second and third string guys starting game after game you just can't it's going to catch up to you after a while so we'll see I'm I'm trying to be optimistic but I'm I'm not overly optimistic <laughs> trust me I'm not either and it, it is all about surrounding your star players with pieces I'm going to switch gears a little bit go to the NBA and speaking of star players with nothing around them and I know we can all hear more on your Renee's Locked on Wizards podcast but how do you feel about Bradley Beal and the seasons he he's having with on his on the awful Wizards team? He's having an MVP caliber season, but he's not even in that conversation due to the mess around him. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I'm not with Locked On Wizards anymore, actually. Oh. But I know it's okay. It, it happened very fast. Uh, it was a decision I made, so it's okay that you missed that one. But <laughs> I am still still covering them, so no worries there. And I think the biggest thing that I have been seeing is, and even head coach Scott Brooks was just saying this, like the fact that Beal was named an all-star is like a small victory for them. But I do think that much like we're talking about with the Eagles, after a while, some of these have to start translating. Now the the Wizards coming into their game versus the Lakers, which is Monday night today, um, are on a four game winning streak. I was just tweeting, they just won like seven of their last 12 games, which looking at their record, they only have 10 wins overall is huge. So I do think they're moving in the right direction. There's some excitement there. I think that finally, it seems like pieces are coming together. They had COVID issues where they had games postponed. They had a number of players that weren't able to play. They've had injuries, players like Rui Hachimura, who in my opinion should be their number three. He was, was, has been dealing with injuries and all types of illness, whatever else. So I do feel like there's been a lot already against this team that much like you talk about the Eagles, could not afford to miss players. You know, you can't afford to have someone like Rui or Davis Bertans and those pieces not healthy. So I feel like now what we're seeing is them actually having everybody healthy. The chemistry is coming together, which we know takes time for any team, regardless who the pieces are. 
and we're finally seeing them get a rhythm. And by no surprise, they've won four straight heading into the game versus the Lakers. So I think the team is, in my opinion, finally getting to what I thought they could be over like from the beginning, but it does take time. So I, you know, hats off to Bradley Beal for sticking it out and, a lot of people, myself included at times, have said he should just trade, go to another team. I still don't know that they're a championship caliber team, but I think for the Wizards, it's more the, the goal is more to just be a playoff team at this point. You know, just make the playoffs and be competitive rather than being a team that's, you know, under 500. So I think this is definitely steps in the right direction for him being an all-star, for them finally winning games, and we'll see what, how that continues to move forward. How do you think the, the Russ-Beal partnership is working? I like it actually I was I from the beginning have been a fan of it because I think that in order for any duo to work you have to have them on different spots in their career which is why I think the Nets are going to run into a wall come playoff time I've been saying that and I will consist continue to say that because the problem is if you don't like when you have a LeBron AD Beal Westbrook and someone's a little older in their career they're a little wiser their their focus is different um Devin Booker and Chris Paul, you need one to be more of like the mentor, the leader that's complete. That's okay with kind of giving them the spotlight versus two guys that are still in the prime quote unquote of their career vying for that attention to be the go-to guy. So I like it because I think Westbrook brings so much. He's not just a scorer, as we know, with his triple doubles. He's already broken franchise record, a franchise record for that in D.C. So I think what he brings in rebounding, assists, steals, defense, pressure, scoring, all of that complements Bradley Beal very nicely because Bradley Beal can be the guy. He can be the one that's scoring 30 plus points a game and be the face of the franchise. Russell Westbrook, I think is okay with kind of stepping back and letting him go. So I like the, the duo. And I think that long-term, you know, looking at like this, the postseason and next year, if they can continue to maybe move the other pieces around them, whether it's bringing guys in or helping them continue to develop, this could be a team that is a little bit more dangerous out of the Eastern Conference. Speaking of the Eastern Conference, and I have to talk about where are they? My Sixers over here. So they are still half a game in first place. Just quickly, what do you think of their almost the first half of their season? Are they legit? Are they contenders? Or are they going to fizzle out? What are your thoughts? All I can say is finally. Finally, finally, finally. <laughs> this team should have been doing this years ago. I mean, Brett Brown reached the ceiling. And I think Doc Rivers has come in and kind of helped them move forward without a doubt. You know, it was that move, which is what I'm hoping that the move for Doug Peterson out and for the Eagles helps as well. Every once in a while, you do need a different voice. You know, I think that's why Russell Westbrook is doing so well in, with the Wizards, because he is a different voice from John Wall. He brings a different perspective. You need that. If you have the same perspective, tendencies, the way the offense is run, the subbing and all that, and player man, you know, load management, it's, it gets very redundant. And it was time for the Sixers to have a change because they kept falling into the same trap every postseason. And it was all getting worse, getting swept last year. So, you know, I'm excited because I think that talent-wise, you look across the board, although they definitely brought in major pieces, this is what the team should have been capable of doing before. But I think it is a lot to be said about what Doc Rivers brings, but also players like Seth Curry, Danny Green, uh, Dwight Howard, You've got champions, you've got veterans. 
this is this is what a lot of people don't understand is needed. That's the difference between being a, a good team and like a playoff or championship contender. You need to have those guys that have been down the stretch deep in the season and know what it takes to win a championship. Know what it takes to be in a in a in a seven game in a seven series uh, playoff match and how to to work through that mental hurdle. It's a lot more than just talent. So I think for the Sixers, they now finally have the right balance. Tobias Harris has been great down the stretch of being someone that can knock down clutch baskets. Joel Embiid playing like an all-star. Ben Simmons, people are finally leaving him alone because he won't shoot. That's fine. He doesn't have to. He scores just fine. So I think that they're, they're finally getting into a groove. And this is a team, in my opinion, that should be winning the Eastern Conference this year. Well, I love to hear yeah. that. I agree. <laughs> I agree. And it does go, I mean, Doc Rivers, I think is coach of the year. He's done a fantastic job, but like you said, it goes into, and if you watch the Sixers, you've kind of known watching Ben and Joel that they need certain pieces around them. They need shooters and they need a backup center and also exactly. backup point guard. They've gotten two of the three. They've got the shooters. They got the backup center could still use a backup point guard. I like Shake Milton off the bench that could still be improved, but they finally surrounded them with the pieces that make sense. Now mm-hmm. you said you can see them in the, winning the East. So do you have your glasses with you? glasses oh did you not see my email no oh do you have any glasses at all <laughs> no I actually I'm moving in my defense so I don't even okay. know where they are so mm. all right that changes things um okay either way we could skip that then I'll edit that out <laughs> <laughs> I missed it I'm gonna look now I'm sorry it's all good what I like to do is because I think I don't know if this is proven oh. or not but I think people when people have glasses on, they seem more trustworthy. So whenever I give any like sports predictions, I like to throw glasses on to seem more like credible. I like that. I like that. I, oh. I apparently did not read. So I do see that now. My bad for not following directions. It is all right. I will throw them on for you. What I want to do. Perfect. I'm going to throw. Oh, I could do the zoom glasses. Aren't there zoom glasses? Are there is zoom glasses? I'm, is that even a thing? I think so. I'm going to find it. Uh, like your glasses. I don't have. Oh, there we go. Look at that. Perfect. <laughs> I all got right. my glasses. False alarm. I'm False prepared. Alarm. We're all good. Okay, so Renee, what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you for predi- a prediction. You're going to give it to me, and then you're going to say, those are my picks. You can trust me because I got glasses on. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to find the right glasses. You know, there's, oh, here we go. These are pretty Perfect. Sad. So Renee, I'll, I'll keep it pretty, pretty generic. What four teams do you see going to the conference finals in the East and the West? If you're going to make your prediction right now. I've got, oof, oof, this is a tough one. I've got the Sixers nets and then I could see the Lakers. I'm, I'm still not fully sold on the Clippers. I think it's going to be a lake, the Lakers and like a, almost a surprise of like, well, we saw Denver last year, but that's not a surprise. Little, little, like little Utah, Utah jazz. Somewhere. Yeah, I think, and I don't, and I hate to say that because they're at the top of the standings right now. So that's so simple to just pick the top teams in the standings, but um, Lakers, I'll go, I'll go Lakers Clippers. I will go Lakers Clippers. Lakers clip, Lakers Clippers, Sixers Nets. Yeah, because I have the Lakers coming out of the West for whoever they match up against. So <laughs> and who do you take Sixers Nets? Sixers. Sixers? Whew. Yeah. Sixers, I think the Lakers. Nets. I think the Nets are going to honestly have the same postseason struggle we saw last year with the Clippers. And I've been openly saying that because last year I was saying that, but I didn't say it as vocally. 
And so when it happened, people were kind of like, oh, maybe you're just saying that because it happened. I was like, no, I've been saying from day one, I was never sold on the Clippers last year. And I'm not sold on the Nets. I think they're going to take a year because they're, I think we're going to see some chemistry issues. We haven't seen all three of them on the floor enough. Mm, yeah, I agree. I've got the Sixers. I've got, I think they've got, an, I got, they've got the full balance. All right, Renee, just look up at the camera and say, my name is Renee. Those are my picks. And you can trust me because I got glasses on. My name is Renee, and those are my picks. And of course, you can trust me because I've got these snazzy glasses on. <laughs> you heard it here first. Those are Renee's picks. Sixers, Lakers in the final. Renee, thank you so much for joining with me today. I had a blast. Hope you had some fun. This was awesome. Thanks for having me. It's always great to be able to chat and talk about sports, especially with all that's been going on lately around the NBA and the NFL. So we'll see if those predictions come through. What are your predictions, actually? Ooh, my predictions. Glasses are off, but I can still give them. I got to go with the Sixers in the East. I I feel stupid doing it, and I, I know to never bet against LeBron James or Tom Brady, but I feel like with I, it's against my my gut feeling, but I feel like it's not going to be the Lakers. I feel like it actually will be the Clippers. I feel like the Clippers, because they've only had seven games with a healthy team all season, something like that, and they're still second, third in the West. I think – they're going to surprise people. And I think Ty Lue is finally going to get the coaching credit he deserves because he kind of lived under that LeBron shadow for a while. Yeah, absolutely did. So that's, I'm going to say Sixers Clippers. Okay. 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 You wouldn't be the first person to bet against the Clippers. I mean, the Lakers, excuse me. I, I feel it, it feels wrong betting against LeBron and I know I'll be proved wrong, but that's what my gut's telling me. All right. I bet against Tom for the Super Bowl and that mm. saw how that play played mistake. out. So yeah <laughs> but thank you so much for having me on this has been fun i've enjoyed it awesome i'm so glad you could make it thank you <laughs> okay everyone and that was renee washington i mean what more can i say she, <laughs> she really does it all she i mean i can't even i can't even believe she's a model reporter news reporter sports reporter she's a coach she did everything it's she's incredible and she shared my philly sports pain our Philly sports pain, all you Philly sports fans that are listening out there. And it's tough. It sucks. And she was right on everything she said about the Eagles. I'm going to reiterate it a little bit just because I didn't, I got a lot to get off my chest about the mess that's going on there. So I've been saying this a lot. And I hate, hate the Carson Wentz trade. And I'll tell you why. His value was as low as it will ever be. I've said that before. What I mean by that is he had his worst season, statistically. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, right? So his value as a quarterback was low. People didn't really want him. There was the tension with the Eagles. There's something we don't know yet, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But there was tension in the locker room. Hertz came in, played well. Not like, blow your balls off well, but he played well. So it made it a, a conversation. And they felt like they needed to trade him. And there was rumors and talks that the Doug and Carson relationship wasn't good, so they fired Doug. Doug was out. And then they went and hired Sirianni, Colts guy, Frank Wright guy, who would everyone thought would make, they got him for Wentz to fix Wentz. So that's why this trade doesn't make any sense, because they made all these other moves. They split up the quarterback coach, they got him a new coach, and they still traded him, and they got two draft picks, a third round and a second round that could eventually be a first round. But he only becomes a first round if he plays three quarters of a season or leads the Colts to the playoffs. So, like, is that even a win at that point if he plays super well with the Colts? I don't think so. So I think that was a huge mistake. What I would have done, would have kept him on the team, 
let them battle it out for a training camp in training camp for the starting spot because a yes he had a bad season but that MVP quarterback is in there somewhere so maybe it wasn't lost yet so let him play battle it out even if he loses even if you don't even the organization never planned on having him be the starter he was going to be the backup I'd rather him be a 30 million dollar backup than a 30 million dollar dead money cap hit we have to take when he's on another team so loses the battle or he's just the backup on the team then you wait till right before the trade deadline when a team that has all the pieces except the good quarterback is desperate and wants someone and will be willing to give more you may be playing a little bit and he proves his worth and his stock goes up there just was so many better routes to take than to trade him now to get two two second and third round picks for a guy that you traded multiple picks up to draft second overall and then you signed for millions and millions of dollars just a year and a half, two years ago, to for all of that just to get back two picks, it's embarrassing. It's awful. It's and I get heated just thinking about it. And it, it the blame has to go back to Howie Roseman. And like I said with Renee, I'm not a every time something goes wrong, fire the GM, fire the coach guy. But this is five plus years, including the Super Bowl year, which obviously he made some right moves there, but. Five plus years of mistakes in the making. I mean, with not drafting DK Metcalf, not drafting Justin Jefferson, getting Jalen Hurts, it's signing old players and old receivers to contracts when they shouldn't be signed because they're too old. He just makes mistake after mistake, and it's it's such an organizational failure. And I've said that word a lot because it is. It's from every level, from Jeffrey Lurie down to the coach, down to the players. Not all the players, some of the players. That there's it's they've just they've failed as a team and as an organization and I don't know how you go up from here. I hope Hurts is the future. I was encouraged by what I saw. I wasn't again blown away by it. There's a reason he fell to the second round, but he can be the future. It just every move that this team has made doesn't really make any sense right now. I it drives me nuts. So, Ryan Kinski, that's what I think about the Carson Wentz trade. I don't like it. Talked a lot of other good stuff with Renee. Talked basketball, NBA, Sixers. I'll get into more of that. I can do that on another episode with another guest. But right now I want to focus on I'm wearing my Thon shirt because I am oozing with pride. I used that phrase earlier. I repeat myself all the time. I am oozing with pride for my alma mater for Penn State for all the Thon dancers. Shout out Chris Duranzi, Evan Robinson, Matt Nichols, Griffin McShane, TDX80 Pie, all of Thon. Shout out everyone who was involved for raising over $10.5, $10.6 million. It's mind-blowing to me that in a year like this they can do that. And I have my beefs with Thon, and I could rant for an hour and a half about the positives and negatives of the organization. But bottom line is $10.5 million were raised for family struggling with pediatric cancer, and they will never see a hospital check. And that's amazing. And whatever student news organization made that terrible article with the terrible headline about how it raised $1 million less than last year, that's, I don't know how you could do that and how your editor let you do that. I'm sure you're feeling the flack of that now. It was a stupid thing to do because it's still amazing. You can explain that. Don't make that your article title. That, 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 portrays such a negative connotation when you make that the point, that the whole point, this whole weekend, it was, oh, they only raised a million dollars less than last year. It's, that's dumb. 
but to everyone that danced, organized, fundraised, donated. Every year, I, mean, I got my shirt on, my scarf back there, mug somewhere. I, I'm impressed by the whole thing every year. Every year surprises me. It seems like when they first were phasing out canning, I was like, man, that number's probably going to dip. And then they didn't. And then when they completely canceled canning and you could, couldn't travel at all, I was like, yeah, that number's going to dip. And they didn't. And this year, we're in a global pandemic and everyone's struggling and half the country doesn't have jobs. I was like, mm, you know, they're not going to raise that much this year. And they raised $10.5 million. So I'm always impressed, and I just wanted to give that a quick shout-out. Because it's awesome. FTK for the kittens and the kids. Shout-out uh, the house, Marsco's, Carters, and the Grimms, by the way. Love you guys. Miss you. Okay. That will probably do it for this episode. Um, check. How was I going to end this episode? I'm just going to sing into the microphone and see how long I can do it before you stop grooving. You tune out and put on something else. I wonder why you even listen to this thing in the first place. Yeah. Alright, stay tuned for another episode of I Don't Know coming sometime soon. I don't know. But we'll be back with some more guests, more sports, more fun stuff to talk about. Thank you for joining us. And again, I don't know.